Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. All right, it's episode seven, Pain Points of Wealth. The news in plain sight, you've seen the headlines, we give you the real story, and the real story this week is election uncertainty is upon us. You're hearing more and more news about how the election is going to affect the markets. Markets have sold off from their peak back in September. We've had the death of a Supreme Court justice, which only builds to the tension going on in the political realm. You still have riots going on in different cities. And yes, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. You know What else could go wrong here? And I think the big question on investors' mind this week, Chris, is should I stay in cash? Should I get invested? Or if I'm invested now, is it time to go to cash and just wait for this thing to blow over? And when cooler heads prevail, that's the time to get my money invested. Well, first of all, I think being in cash is probably the worst possible place you could be right now. I don't know about you, Rai, but I'm getting less than 1% return on my cash right now. Secondly, we've had a monster ramp up on the tech sector. So it's really not unusual right now that we're seeing a pullback on that particular area. And then third, you know, there's a lot of great discounts out there to be had in the market. There's a lot of great opportunities. And I think people forget that when there's a lot of volatility and uncertainty. Yeah, no, and that's a good point because if you look at it historically, every single year, you typically on average, you have at least one correction in the market or when the market sells off 10% plus. And that's what we define as a correction when we're talking about the stock market. That's normal market action. And kind of to your point here, is we've had a magnificent run up in stocks. In fact, it's probably one of the greatest recoveries ever in the history of markets from those, you know, really dire days back in the middle of March. I think March 23rd being the bottom of the market. And, you know, when you start looking at it, Chris, good point. Like what really has changed? The economy is continually getting better. You know, we're not back to where we were in January, but unemployment keeps coming down. You look at like things like industrial production, that's continuing to improve. You start looking at retail sales, Americans are buying things. So you're right. When you start looking in context, has the dynamics really changed or is this just another normal correction that you typically have in a big booming bull market? And we are in a bull market for all intents and purposes. You know, markets recovered enough to call this a bull market. Yeah, so it seems to me that we're really not in an unusual circumstance here. And if anything, right now, the market's provided a great window to deploy cash or put any money back to work. Like, for example, while tech is really pulling back here, there's still a lot of great opportunity in more value-based things, things that pay dividends. And you know, the nice thing about having investments that create income in the form of dividends or interest is that even when the market does pull back, you still have a some kind of return coming in the form of cash flow. Well, that's a really good point because look, you just said this before, cash paying 1%. Like I'm bragging if I'm getting 1% of my cash. I still have to pay taxes on that cash, by the way. So that 1% now is more like a half a percent once I pay Uncle Sam. And meantime, to your point, Chris, like you get paid to wait. You know, if you diversify your money right now and you're not just owning tech stocks, because I got news for you, you're not getting a fat dividend check from Amazon. They're not paying you those dividends on a quarterly basis. But if you're discerning here, you diversify your money, it's a huge opportunity cost if I can get 3 4% invested in the market, and I'm sitting in cash right now earning that 1% or less, 
the opportunity cost is probably greater than it's ever been, which to your point is a good argument for not just sitting in cash here and waiting because you're not getting paid very well to wait. Yeah, right. I mean, things are definitely getting better. This is not unusual. We've seen this before. And frankly, you don't get good prices when there's a lot of certainty out there. When people are feeling really good about the markets, that's when the markets are going sky high. It's when people are jittery is when you get those low prices, you get those great discounts in the market, creating a great buying opportunity. Yeah. The old saying goes, you can't get good prices without bad news. And that's certainly what's happening right now. You've got a lot of uncertainty around the election. And this is really the bane to most investors' existence is you have to embrace the fact that when you have uncertainty in the market, you look at it historically, when things are the most uncertain, it's always your best buying opportunity. Yet, we want to wait for clarity. You know, We want to wait for the sky to part, the sun to come down and feel really, really good. And that's always the worst time to invest because good news comes with bad prices. And again, bad news comes with good prices. And historically so, anytime you take advantage of these dips, and the thing is, you don't get them that often. I mean, how many times have we had a sell-off over the last couple of months as the market has ramped up higher and higher and higher? I mean, the S&P 500 now is up over 50% or close to 50%. I don't know where it is today. You haven't had many of these sell-offs. So it's like, are you going to let that opportunity pass you by, sit in cash and wait, or are you going to take advantage of what historically is the best time to buy stocks? Exactly, Ryan. And like back in 2019, so many people complained that the market just kept going up and up and up. They never created a window for them to get back in. Well, guess what? Here's what you've asked for. It doesn't look beautiful, but you know what? It's creating great opportunity. Yeah. And I think we need to ask yourself right now is not just investing for tomorrow, right? Because I know this text trades hot. We know that retail investors are just clamoring in Tesla, some of these new IPOs like Snowflake that just came out in the last two weeks, up 100% on its opening day. And it's very, very exciting stuff. But I think pragmatically, if you're a long-term investor, you're trying to create wealth right now. Well, the bottom line is what I would bet on here, perhaps you should bet on is the reopening of the economy. Because when you start looking at the economic data and you start thinking pragmatically, you know, there's a good chance we're going to have a vaccine in the next 12 months. And if you start looking at the amount of cars that are on the street every day, you know, that continues to go up. If you keep looking at the fact that manufacturing services are starting to go into growth mode again in the US, what you're starting to see is the remobilization of the economy. And that theme is continuing. It hasn't stopped right now. So what I would ask myself here is what stocks benefit the most from the economy reopening? And again, you know, we've talked about this on the show a lot. To your point, Chris, it's a lot of these dividend paying stocks, these cyclical stocks, and it's not just here, it's abroad. You know, I made this joke earlier, Warren Buffett's laughing at you as you're speculating on those tech stocks. Yeah, Warren Buffett already bought those tech stocks years ago. He's going overseas and he's buying companies in Japan. He's buying railroads. He's buying energy, all things that are low in price right now. And again, to your point, Rye, paying great dividends. Yeah. And it comes back to like the value of these companies. Because the other thing is we talk about tech again and we talk about the earnings. Well, a lot of these companies are pricing in like 100 to 200 years worth of profits in their stock today. Meanwhile, you've got an investor like Warren Buffett, arguably the greatest investor of our generation. He's buying companies at what we would call book value or less. I mean, the companies are worth more if you sold all their assets than they are trading in the stock market right now. Like, what a common sense move to make while most of us are chasing these golden dreams here in the tech casino. There's so many deals and so many opportunities to be had. And, you know, going back full circle here, you're getting some uncertainty. You're getting a sell off in the market right now where you can actually take advantage of that. 
So instead of sitting in cash at earning less than 1%, the market's literally screaming at you. There's great bargains to be had, but it's literally being overshadowed by the media and where all the speculation is right now. Yeah, that's true, Ryan. You know what? At the end of the day, it's really about time spent in the market, not trying to time the market. And that's really how you make profits in the long run. Okay, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And I think the theme today is it's a tumultuous time right now. You know, market went straight down this year, then it went straight back up. Now it's starting to come down a little bit again. And along the way here, you may have made some mistakes with your investments during this recession, this very short recession we had, two months. And I thought we could talk today about some of these recession missteps you may have made and how do you recover from them? What do you have to do now to get back on track and get back on your path to your financial independence, Chris. And I think the first one is maybe you sold out of the market when it went down, but now you're sitting in cash and you have no re-entry plan. What are you going to do next? I agree, Ryan. That's a major problem. And I think the way to look at that is that you know there's always a great time to be invested because the market, well, quote unquote, is not an all or nothing proposition. There's not just one market. There's multiple markets around the world. So there's plenty of opportunities to get in at a low cost here. The thing is, is that you just have to make the conscious decision to get back in and then stay in. Well, I think it's two things here. First off, the problem is when you get 100% out right? You're making a 100% bet. So if you get all out of the market, now you need to make another 100% bet to get back in. And that's what we call all or none. And I think an all or none proposition is always a terrible place to be when you're an investor. So to your point, Chris, why does it have to be all or none? And if I want to get invested back in the quote unquote market, who says that it's one market, right? If you're getting diversified like we do for our clients, that means maybe you have some bond exposure, maybe you have some international exposure, maybe you have some commodity exposure, because not all markets are reacting the same way. And just because one market goes down doesn't mean the rest of your portfolio is going to go down. And I think that's the key here is if you're going to get back in the market and you need a game plan, do it diversified. You're not going to make one big bet and just put everything in Amazon. Like That's a bad idea. Which I think brings up a bigger question. Like During this pandemic, have you been ignoring your finances? Have you been basically taking your statements every month and sticking them in a drawer is the kind of philosophy out of sight, out of mind. If that's the case, then I think right now is probably a good time to really take a step back and revisit your not only where your investments are, but revisit what your goals are and just regroup and essentially do what I would call a financial physical. Yeah, I think the worst thing you can do right now is like, let's not talk about the money. Let's not think about it. I think Bob's the only person since he's not on the podcast this morning that still takes his statements out physically and reads them. For some of us, we actually go online and we look at our statements and maybe you're just ignoring doing that completely. But I think the big point here is you're missing an opportunity right now to reallocate your portfolio, to take advantage of tax strategies right now while the market's down. And by ignoring your portfolio right now, you're missing like once in a lifetime opportunities to restructure your portfolio. Because the other thing we know is as things recover and the economy recovers, is you probably want a different portfolio today than you had the last 10 years. And when the market's in flux like it is right now, what a great time to reposition your portfolio. I think the focus should really just be when the market's pulling back, not to get nervous about it, but to really just focus on, okay, where are the opportunities? And one opportunity I can think of off the top of my head would be something like a tax loss harvest, where essentially you're selling things in your portfolio that are down and swapping them out for something else, which is a great advantage because you now have that loss in the loss column. So in the future, when you do have extraordinary capital gains, that gives you the opportunity to use those losses against those gains and save a ton of money on taxes, which by the way, is money that's going right back in your pocket. 
Exactly. There's so many proactive moves you can make right now. And what I love is the most therapeutic thing you can do is you can take a portfolio and do an analysis of it like we do, like the hundreds of portfolios we look at throughout the year is we can look at, okay, what kind of fees are you paying right now that you can, while the markets are down or they're in flux, can you start to lower in your portfolio? Like what hidden fees are you paying? And how can we talked about this earlier on the show today, but we love income. How can you start to increase the income on your portfolio? So if the market's down, there's a lot of great opportunities to increase the income on your portfolio. So by lowering fees and increasing the income on your portfolio, that's just like you can do that with the snap of a finger without the market even going up. And that can be in some cases that can increase your portfolio cash flow and savings by like 50,000 a year sometimes, depending on the analysis that we run. It's incredible some of the moves that you can make. Right. You made a really great point about income. The nice thing about having a income producing portfolio is that even when the market's down, you still have that cash flow coming in. But I think the one thing that you forget about is the fact that that money compounds on itself. So like a good example would be like, let's say that you own a portfolio that pays great dividends. Well, those dividends buy more stock. And then those stock produce more dividends and so on and so on. So over time, the biggest advantage that you have is that compounding effect, the compounding of your money growing on money. I think Einstein called that the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. And I think it's like 40% of your stock return over time is not the appreciation on your stock. It's the dividends that pay out. In fact, Chris, I worked at Merrill Lynch and the CEO of Merrill Lynch had the same stock I did. We both had Merrill Lynch stock and we both got compensated Merrill Lynch stock. But funny thing is, we had the same stock, had the same performance. He was way richer than me. Like, how is that possible? Well, that's the point, right? The CEO of Merrill Lynch just had more shares than you. So really, when the market's going down, you should get excited because that gives you an opportunity to redeploy cash that you might have on the sidelines and opportunity to acquire more shares because given enough time, those shares are going to appreciate. And you know what? You just got them cheap. Yeah. He or she with the most shares is going to win. I mean, that's like rule number one when you're investing in your portfolio. You want to deal with the fact that things right now seem very, very uncertain is you stop funding those retirement accounts or you're not putting that money in contributing every year. And, you know, right now, again, because things are in flux, again, kind of the theme of the show today is uncertainty is your friend. Like, don't skimp on doing those retirement plan contributions. You know, you've got to stick to your game plan through thick and thin. This is not a time to stop putting money away for yourself. If anything, going back to the accumulation of shares, like this is a great time to pick up more shares of your investments while things are volatile. Volatility, uncertainty, Chris, they're your friend. Don't forget it. We made a really good point about 401k contributions, Rye. Because by stopping your 401k contributions can also have like an aftershock effect on other things. So like, for example, most of you make your 401k contributions on a pre-tax basis. So you're getting a tax deduction by contributing to that plan. Well, if you stop contributing, then you lose some of that deduction and you could end up paying more in taxes. The other thing is, is because you're stopping that contribution, you're missing out on low prices in the market. And you could also be putting your long-term retirement plan in jeopardy because your plan dictates that you need to be saving that money over a specific period of time. Yeah. So it comes down to is you need to do a reset now. Don't wait. Look, I do my physical every year. It's not a lot of fun. And many of us put those off as well. And it leads to just like huge health problems down the line. Whereas if you're proactive about it, and you actually did take that physical every year, then you know, if things are right, not right, and the adjustments you have to make, your finances need to be the same way. And I would say here, given the fact that we just had a recession, given the fact that we're in a pandemic, that doesn't negate the fact that you should get that annual financial physical, like get it done, be proactive with your finances, don't be reactive. That's the difference between winning and losing at this game. 
Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved for retirement and want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for our free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right track to achieving your path to financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. The hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Well, Chris, it's just you and me today. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, Bob is helping out with our sister's wedding today. Couldn't make the recording. So it's all on you, man. Here's the first one today. The Russian vaccine called Sputnik V has only gone through phase one and two. It's been sent to Venezuela and Nicaragua, essentially for phase three trials on people who aren't Russians. That sounds safe. You know, right, anybody with half a brain, I would say not just walk towards the hills, run for the hills, because it sounds like they're using the Venezuelans and Nicaraguans as guinea pigs for this trial. So for the record, you will not use Sputnik 5. It becomes available here in the US for your vaccination. Well, I would definitely do it with some trepidation. Let's just put it that way. All right. Well, bold enough to do it. So I admire that. The common shares of AT&T now yield almost 7%. Talk about dividend yields. That's amazing. About twice what the telecom's long-term bonds pay. JP Morgan's developed market global government bond index currently yields 1.3%, but the long-term 44-year average is more like 6.4%. So sounds like stock yields are better than bond yields, Chris. Well, Ryan, you know what? I certainly wouldn't want to sit in cash getting less than 1%, and it doesn't sound like developing market yields are much better. I think it sounds like stock dividends are the place to be. Well, another reason why you want to own stocks in a yield-starved world. I mean, literally, I've never been in a point in my career where the bonds of a company actually yield less than the stock of a company. Sounds like although bonds are safer, there's a lot of opportunity right now in the stock market. Just saying. During the 10 recessions since 1950, during the 10 recessions since 1950, it took an average of 30 months for lost jobs to finally come back. Well, that's like over two years. Not only has this been one of the fastest transitions from out of recession, but it's also probably been one of the fastest transitions for unemployment. The jobs reports just seem to be getting better and better all throughout this pandemic. Yeah, I suspect it's going to take less than the normal 30 months. But then again, we were at under 4% unemployment. So I think we still have a while to go, but doesn't mean the economy is not recovering for the record. During the meltup of the late 1990s, the S&P 500 jumped 59.6%, led by an astonishing 234% increase in the tech sector from its post-Russian default low on August 31st, 1998, through the peak on March 24, 2000. Wow. Well, you know what they say, right? History doesn't often repeat, but it does rhyme. It also speaks to that the Nasdaq went up 234% from that bottom all the way to the peak in March of 2000. Well, tech could go up a lot higher from here. Pretty crazy to think about that. Okay, last one. When Amazon.com went public in 1997, JCPenney was considered one of the stronger retailers in the country. I think you still shop there, Chris. Investors were so comfortable with Penny's prospects that they eagerly bought its new issue of a 100-year bond. These traded for pennies on the dollar today. Ouch. 
Well, I can't remember the last time I shopped at a JCPenney's ride, but I can tell you that I've been spending a lot of money on Amazon this year. And I think anytime a company wants to offer me a hundred year bond, you know, I don't care how good that company is. What are the odds it's going to be around a hundred years from now? I don't know. Just saying probably buyer beware. All right, Chris. Well, it was a fun show. Just the Peen brothers today with Sans Bob. Great episode today. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.